Funds for Bookworm are provided in part by Lannan Foundation. From KCRW and KCRW.com, I'm Michael Silverblatt, and you're listening to Bookworm. Today, my two guests are with us. It's This is the first of a two-part show. We are also joined by my dear cohort, Sean Sullivan, who will be performing an interview with me with a, to us, new writer whose name is Zach Smith. His book is Everything is Totally Fine. It has caused the publication of this book, Everything is Totally Fine, the resurrection of a house, a publishing house, run by the writer-editor Tao Lin. The publishing house is Mumu House, I adore the title. I don't know if everyone remembers that a moo is not a cow, but an article of clothing. And um, Moo House existed for some 40 books, and now it's returning with its first book in 10 years, which is Zach Smith's book, Everything is Totally Fine. Now, Zach... Can you tell me how you came to write this book? <laughs> sure. Uh, I tried writing, like I think anyone else, a couple of novels uh, a few years ago, and, and both turned out very poorly. So I decided to start writing uh, shorter fiction and engage with the writing that was happening on the internet. And I made uh, several friends through doing so and through the community and uh, just engaged in a lot of I guess I would call them like schemes or projects to write things. And so the locus of this book comes from wanting to write something collaboratively with my friend Giacomo Pope. Uh, but then we realized both the, the things we were writing started getting bigger and taking on their own shape. So uh, his book became a book of poetry called Chainsaw Poems and Other Poems. And what I was working on became everything is totally fine. It's very interesting because let's face it, we're living in a time where most people would not say everything is totally fine, and it's written in a playful contradiction to the life we're living in which everything is a word that I can't say on the air. And, you know, the book is alternating between a sense of the absolute desperate destitution of the world we're living in, and the resolve for everything despite that to be totally fine. And so this is a book full of constant contradiction and constant surprise. Do you have a writing style that allows for that? How do you do it? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I think for this in particular, I was really drawn to writing uh, very short, dense, clipped stories where uh, the, the, the pacing allowed for more extreme juxtapositions of things. I think by removing a lot of exposition, you can uh, 
create a, a lot of really intense emotions in a very small space. The fact of the matter is that I might not have heard of Zach Smith and his wonderful new book if it were not for the person who is um, advising me on the show, Sean Sullivan, who brought the book to my attention. I fell in love with it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's not only hilarious, but wonderfully written. And I'm going to ask Sean to choose a story so that people can immediately hear what this sounds like. Sean, which story would you choose? And um, hello to Zach and Tao. Glad to have you here. And so, Zach, I'm sure you have your book, page 125, like a car that looks exactly like a slightly smaller car, is to, to me there's um, the fun we're talking about um, and the humor we're speaking of is, is um, and this in such a vibrant way, and it's such a story to appreciate, in my opinion. I'd love to hear it. Uh, thank you. Yes, I'd love to read it. Like a car that looks exactly like a slightly smaller car. I found a horse in my yard. Well, not my yard, but like the space behind my apartment. The horse was gray. I'd never seen a gray horse before. I tried to think about what I knew about horses. I knew there were white horses, black horses, and brown horses. The horse was eating flowers that the landlord had planted. I don't know why he planted flowers in the weird space behind my apartment. The horse wasn't eating the trash in the space behind my apartment. I might as well call it a yard because that's kind of what it was, but it wasn't mine because I didn't own it. I thought maybe the horse was the landlord's horse. I had a running list of things to look up. Can horses be gray? Do horses eat flowers? Do horses eat trash? <laughs> Do landlords own horses? Does my landlord own a horse? Is it my yard if I'm just a tenant? Can I plant flowers in the yard? Can I ride horses that are in the yard? Compare with... Can I sit in the chair in the yard, which I had asked my landlord when I moved in? And the answer was yes, I could sit in the chair. The horse finished eating every flower in the yard. I felt uncomfortable thinking that I had found the horse. I was told to consider reevaluating my initial reactions to novel situations and experiences in therapy several months prior. I reevaluated my initial reaction. I thought that maybe the horse had found me. Maybe the horse had some purpose for me. <laughs> maybe the horse was waiting for me to do something or maybe anything. I couldn't think of things anymore. I felt tired. I went to sleep on the couch. I woke up. The landlord was in the yard talking to the horse. The landlord pointed at me through the window while speaking sternly to the horse. The horse looked at me. I hid behind the couch. I worried about the horse. I worried about what the landlord was saying about me to the horse. I was monumentally depressed, and I would continue to be for many more years. This is only one terrible day out of thousands. That is like a car that looks exactly like a slightly smaller car. It's by Zach Smith from his new book, Everything is Totally Fine, published by Moo Moo House. Zach Smith is a new writer to me. Moo Moo House is publishing its first new book in 10 years. The book was recommended to me by my associate, Sean Sullivan, 
and the author of the book, Zach Smith, is with us, as is the publisher-editor of the book, Tao Lin. I'm fascinated by the writing here. I think of it as being very much like the Hemingway of his earliest stories, and I think his best ones in our time. It's the declaration of things that could not be said any other way that usually don't get said. And your announcement at the end of the story that this, what we've just heard, is only one day in the thousands of depressive days that we spend as depressed people. Tell me, do you regard that depression as personal to you as a writer or a quality of the society that we're living in at this time? That's an interesting question. Uh, I guess if I'm being honest that I always considered it a, a personal thing, I understand that uh, and it's especially becoming more common now for people to talk about struggling with depression or uh, feeling certain ways that it, it still always, at least for me, felt like a very isolating experience where your conception of normal uh, exists outside of yourself, where it's something that you're isolated in or you sort of carry with shame, which I think is ironic because like you point out, I think it's incredibly common. <laughs> the human condition that looms in this very fun book is a quality that I admire about it. And I don't think it's so easy to do. I don't think it's easy to make stories with depressive qualities that are, that are enjoying stories. Would you say that you were an imaginative child? Have you always been fun in this way? Because we've also read 50 barn poems and 2 million shirts in and you're utterly delightful. Has that always been a quality of yours? Uh, thank you. I feel like I, I daydream a lot, uh, which might be uh, related to your question about being imaginative. Yeah, I think, I think imagination, I think humor, and I think uh, thinking of interesting situations or uh, alternatives to the world has always been appealing to me. And I know that you said depression is the thing that you've been through but are working past. Um, and that's certainly a quality that resonates with me as well. Where do you think that um, Zach Smith is headed as a writer? Do you already have your next book in mind? Or, or as you grow as a writer, what ideas are coming to you? Yeah, good question. I, uh, I feel sort of at a crossroads <laughs> right now. I'm unsure what will really happen next uh, in terms of what grips me. I've got a few projects that I'm working on uh, that I think could expand into novels. Uh, one is sort of a, a, a different style, but I think incorporates similar uh, absurdity and minutia, but it's uh, a little more narratively straightforward, uh, at least right now. But yeah, I think for me, what I'd like to experiment with is taking the the the, the space that, I sort of occupied while writing everything is totally fine and expanding it to something that is much larger because I feel like right now it's um, sort of a big factor of the stories is how short they are. And so I'm interested in challenging myself into keeping aspects of that while exploring different forms. 
Yes, this book by Zach Smith called Everything is Totally Fine is in three sections. Most of the fictions are maybe a page or two long. The longest of them is nine pages. And it's not a long book either. It's 140-some pages. And I found reading it to be a constant pleasure. But as, Zach, a former fellow depressive, seriously so, with all of the medications involved that define a serious depressive, I seem to have recovered, or so they say with the doctors who see me, I'm not the depressive I was. Does writing help you deal with depression? I'd say yes, yeah. Uh, I, I think for me, any kind of creative output has had a remarkable impact on me when, uh, when dealing with, with being in a bad place. Uh, mentally or emotionally and for a while it was music and then it was other projects and then it was writing and I think with writing it became writing for me is sort of the the, the best way to I think capture th- those those feelings and experiences and and examine them differently or, or, or put them in a different light with writing yeah I uh, I, I think it's been very important in cathartic for me. I'm talking to Zach Smith. With me is my friend and associate, Sean Sullivan. You're listening to KCRW's Bookworm. I'm very thrilled that with Zach Smith, the author of Everything is Totally Fine, we also have its publisher and founder, editor, writer, Tal Lin, from Moomoo House. This is the first book that Moomoo House has published in 10 years. And um, it's a real pleasure to be reintroduced to this literary community again. We'll continue after this short break. I'm Michael Silverblatt. This is Bookworm, and we're talking with Zach Smith about his new book, Everything is Total. I want to tell you about a new show from the Financial Times called Life and Art from FT Weekend, hosted by me, Lila Raptopoulos. Life and Art is twice a week. On Mondays, I have a guest on to talk about life and how to live a good one. Everything from winter travel to cooking to living more creatively. And on Fridays, we talk art. Two FT journalists and I discuss a piece of culture that's in the air. New music, movies, and more. Find Life and Art from FT Weekend wherever you listen. We find it's published by Moo Moo House. Its founder and editor is also with us. He's Tao Lin. He's just published a new novel recently called Leave Society. I am honored to have him with us here as well. This is an energetic and thoughtful book that we're talking about. Everything is totally fine. And it seems to be inspired by the Moo Moo House writers and to have inspired Moo Moo House to awaken from its slumber. Um, 
were you interested in those writers, Zach? Uh, yeah, absolutely. For me, I think for a lot of people, Taolin was an entry point to this world of writing that uh, I didn't know existed. And it's through his books that I've been introduced to so many other writers and approaches to writing and venues to publish writing. Uh, so yeah, the, 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 the older, the older Mumu house books are very important to me as is the, the presence of Mumu house as an online uh, literature magazine. Basically. I think it's, I think Tao is an incredible editorial vision. Just as you are trying to move from short fiction to longer pieces, that has been Tao's direction as well. When I first was reading him, I was reading a whimsical fantast. He was a kind of amazing improviser, and now he's gone on to write longer and longer books that are narratively more and more difficult to accomplish. Can you imagine yourself, Zach, moving in this direction as well? I don't know, to be honest. I think for me, there's a lot of maybe cultural expectation that if you're a writer, you have to be a novelist first and foremost. But for me, I feel content uh, working in, in, in shorter pieces right now and having fun with it. But I imagine as I continue to write, as Tao has, do you become interested in exploring the form more and taking on bigger challenges maybe as you become more confident? You're so talented with short stories, can I say. The qualities that I've discussed um, that I really appreciate in this book are how it's both entertaining and become d dark. And I know that Healthy, Fit, and Fulfilled is a story that I had mentioned to you and is going to be on our webpage as an excerpt. And I would love if you read from that. Uh, sure. Healthy, Fit, and Fulfilled. It was the weekend and I rode my bike to the river. Someone had set up a ramp for stunts. Kids were ramping their mountain bikes off the ramp into the river, leaping from the seat at the last minute to try and grab a large knotted rope that was affixed to a tree branch. My bike was a lightweight road bike designed for long distances at a moderate cadence. I had paid $680 for it, secondhand, and replaced several of its components over time according to my personal needs and preferences in long distance biking. I was a member of several internet forums dedicated to bicycle riding and maintenance engaging often in prolonged discussions regarding the relative quality and efficacy of differently manufactured and designed bicycle parts. Riding and maintaining my road bicycle, and more recently some other road bicycles I had been building from spare parts, became my primary hobby. I rode my bicycle for my commute, and I would go on extended trips on the weekends. At night, I would calibrate and clean my bicycle in the garage, post on the bicycle forums, and plan new routes to ride. I was feeling healthy, fit, and fulfilled by my hobby's cumulative cross-domain nature. The act of riding was physically rewarding, while the planning, shopping, trading, and maintenance components of the hobby were mentally fulfilling. I slept well and awoke eager to engage with the various aspects of the hobby, which was a departure from my previous lifestyle marked by prolonged depressive episodes and suicide ideation. In the years prior, I had become obsessed with the idea of death. Whenever the experience of living my life became overwhelming, I would invoke it as a refrain, as a warding spell. It became central to me, a part of me. 
I carried the absolution of ending my own life with me at all times, through all traumas and joys, large and small. Death was a component in all my thoughts and feelings, a pallor through which I experienced my life, discoloring everything, drowning out all other hues, and in that way, it created for me immense comfort. I obsessed over my own death and the fact that I could, at any minute, bring about my own end. Every question was answerable with death. Every purpose was closed off by death. Every joy, and yet equally, every pain was mutable by death. In conversations with colleagues or family, I related all topics to death, to the certain doom that all things faced, constant and inviting. I spent my time in cemeteries, examining the names and dates, and projecting lost hopes and ambitions that were cut off by an unexpected illness, or constructing in my mind elaborate manifestations of grief and decay, of continual pain and anguish that culminated in necessary, rushed suicides by gun or noose. I took immense comfort in surrounding myself with death. I found community, freedom, an immense openness among headstones, a sense of belonging, a compassionate, mute understanding by generations of similarly hopeless and suicidal forebears. In their company, I sought cool relief from the hot sun in a shadowed ditch, the dirt against my cheek, the deep, churning soil against my fragile skin. My despair felt impossibly small, pressed up against the largeness of the earth and the fact that somewhere in its depths lay every person that has ever died. Then, two years ago, the pallor lifted and the bicycle took death's place. It became a symbol for a new era in my life. <laughs> I no longer yearned for death as an escape and instead found purpose and joy in daily life. And the more I filled that daily life with my bicycles, the more I found purpose and joy. However, my life had since returned to shambles due to unexpected personal and professional catastrophe. And so the era of the bicycle had come to a dispassionate end. I rode my bicycle onto the ramp, which warped the front wheel irreparably, and I tumbled over the edge and onto the embankment. I was unable to grasp the rope. That piece is called Healthy, Fit, and Fulfilled. It's by our guest, Zach Smith. Now I'm going to make a leap. It will be the introduction to the next show. Tao, you too have presented your work in the light of leading a healthier, non-toxic life. What joined you to the feeling you have for Zach Smith's writing? Zach Smith's writing, it made me laugh and smile, and it also impressed and pleased me as a writer because of how inventive its stories were. And I was also excited by its lack of cliches of language or plot or even tone. Like I was felt like I was experiencing new tones. But he did all this inventiveness without sacrificing emotion, I feel like, or other useful things to get the reader to feel that cliches are usually good for. So I just felt continually stimulated and surprised while reading it. I think running a publishing house is not an easy thing. What allowed you, after 10 years, to think of publishing books in print, in book form? What let you know that you were willing to do that again? 
You're right that it is a lot of work and it takes a lot of money, I feel like, too. And then that's why after I published books in the first two years, I only published four books. The fifth one was limited edition. That's why I didn't publish another book for 10 whole years. And then now I just have, I'm better in a better place financially. And then it just happened really naturally by first becoming friends with Zach. I feel like over years on the internet, at one point he solicited me for his one-off magazine called The Quarantine. It came out when the quarantine started in 2020. And I submitted a poem to that. And at some other point, he had submitted his book, Everything is Totally Fine, to Soft Skull Press and my partner at the time and currently and that I was living with was reading it. And at some point, another publisher was going to publish it. So I just thought like I shouldn't publish it. And I felt like I could do a better job than that smaller publisher. So thinking of Zach, maybe that would be helpful. And maybe the other publisher would be into it too. And he ended up seeming fine with it. He posted about it online and Zach is still friends with him. Right, Zach? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. He seems <laughs> he, he seems okay. <laughs> yeah, so the low expectations part attracted me because my fear as a publisher is disappointing the author. So because I felt like it was going to be published by such a small publisher, I felt like I could do a better job because at least I had distribution through small press distribution. We've been talking with Zach Smith about his new book, Everything is Totally Fine, and it's published by Moomoo House, whose founding editor and present editor is our guest, Tal Lin, to my mind, also a wonderful and interesting writer and a real presence in the world of literature that I prefer to be identified with. Thank you both for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you for... (laughs) It's wonderful to be able to talk to you. (laughs) Well, it's just the beginning. I want to let you know that we'll be doing a second show. This next one focusing more on Tao than on Zach, but both will be here. I want to tell my listeners that due to the pandemic, we are all taping remotely so that you may hear unusual sounds or feedback. These things happen. They are a product of our time, our difficult times. You can visit kcrw.com slash bookworm for a podcast of today's show. Really, any of our shows, they're all available as well at podcast services and on demand with KCRW smartphone apps. Why don't you think about, if you haven't already, becoming a KCRW member and hearing the doings of literary people, writers, poets, explorers in the fields of language, great and small, with us? 
Special thanks to Bookworm Show collaborators Alan Howard and Sean Sullivan. I'm very grateful to our patient engineer, PJ Shahamet. I'm Michael Silverblatt. Join me again next time on Bookworm. I am a bookworm, he is a bookworm, she is a bookworm, we are all bookworms. Funds for Bookworm are provided in part by Lannan Foundation. This program is produced in the studios of KCRW Santa Monica. You can access archives of all Bookworm programs and podcasts, the most recent ones, at kcrw.com bookworm. The Bookworm themes were composed and performed by Ron and Russell Mayle of Sparks. I want to tell you about a new show from the Financial Times called Life and Art from FT Weekend, hosted by me, Lila Raptopoulos. Life and Art is twice a week. On Mondays, I have a guest on to talk about life and how to live a good one. Everything from winter travel to cooking to living more creatively. And on Fridays, we talk art. Two FT journalists and I discuss a piece of culture that's in the air. New music, movies, and more. Find Life and Art from FT Weekend wherever you listen.